Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm, uh, I'm honored to be up here this morning, and I'm so grateful to this church, and to Yuba City, and to Pastor Mark and Jill, and I'm grateful that you're all here. We've got a packed house tonight. Today, it's not night yet. we got a packed house tonight, so, um, you know, we've been, uh, Pastor Mark's been doing a great job teaching a series on gifts, and talking about being gifted, and talking about different gifts. Uh, he's talked about created gifts, prophecy serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, mercy. He's been talking about charismatic gifts, discerning gifts. And I wanted to talk about the same thing. I had, I had first, um, when, I, when I put this together and, and Mark came to me and said, hey, I, I'd like you to get up and, and speak, um, would you be willing to do that? And I said, yes. And I haven't taught out of a word like this in about two years. And so I said to myself, and I would, I'm not saying I would stress when I would prepare for messages, but I would want to make sure I delivered a message and I would, I would start stewing over it and, and processing it and get all worked up. And I went about it the wrong way in some of my past sessions. So this time when Mark said that, I went home and I prayed. And I said, Lord, what is it you want me to talk about? I'm going to relax, sit back, continue doing the work, and let you reveal to me what you want me to share on. And so I read a few things, and, and it's funny, I'm going to mention, I'm going to give away a secret. I'm going I'm to be talking about a few different people today in the Bible. But one of them is Gideon. And right when I was praying about it, and I'm like, are you sure this is the direction you want me to take you, Lord? I read my Bible daily in the morning, and the morning that I got up and I was questioning that, is this what you want me to talk about, God? I read the story of Gideon, and I was in, it was in Judges, and I said, yep, confirmed, got it, ready to go, I know where we're going with this. So that's how God works, right? That's how God works for all of us, amen? And so, so I prayed some more, and I, and I prepared this message. And at first, I called this message, and I changed it. At first, I called this message, that's not my gift. But we're talking about gifts, and Pastor Mark's been talking about gifts so much, I didn't want to create a confusing message. So I changed it to, no, not me. That's not my gift. Because I think that's sometimes the way that we respond. Um, you know, how many times, how many times have all of us been asked to do something that was going to feel extremely uncomfortable oh, yeah. at home, yeah. at school, sure. at work? Oh, and at work, you really got to get, you got to put in that work, you know, that doesn't feel good. I don't like the way that sounds. We're moving you to a new department. We have something new for you to do. You know that job that you watch that one guy and you complain for six months about how he wasn't doing a good job? You're the guy, <laughs> you know? Um, so I started to think about that, and I started to think about how many times we get put in these uncomfortable situations where we're asked to do something outside of what we feel comfortable, outside of what we feel we're called to do, outside of what we consider our gift, right? Like, that's not my gift. And my wife and I, we, we had a friend, we, we don't remember who said it, we can't trace the roots of what I'm going to share with you. We can't trace the roots of this, but we had a friend, and we've been involved, my wife and I have been involved in ministry for a really long time. We've been involved in recovery ministries. My wife 
was on the board uh, of a ministry down in Los Angeles. It's called Third Step Ministry. It's a ministry that gets together every year, and they spend a year preparing, and they bring 600 women from secular recovery homes who don't know the Lord. They bring them together. They give them with gifts. They give them Bibles. They love on them. They hear the message, and they call it the Third Step event because in recovery, that's make a decision to turn your will and your life over to God. And so my wife's been involved in that for a long time. I've been involved in recovery ministries, and our last assignment before we moved here to Yuma City was directing Celebrate Recovery. And so I'll go into some of that. So, But we had a friend along the path who used to say, you know, I can't stand it when somebody says, no, that's not my gift. I can't help out in that area. And we get, we're guilty of that. You know, I'm guilty of that. You know, I, I love that I heard a pastor say one time, anything you hear me say up here, I'm not sharing it to convict you. I'm sharing it because it was revealed to me because I was convicted over it, and now it's become a message that I have to share, right? Amen. So... Um, so my wife and I, just to give you a little background, talk about being uncomfortable. We were, uh, about five years ago, we, um, we were living near family. We were 20 houses from family. We had all of our friends, our family. We were plugged into everything. We were involved in our church. We were involved in the recovery ministry at our church. And we love broken people. We love helping broken people. I love broken people because broken people are able to be put back together. If somebody doesn't think they're broken, they are not willing to be put back together or be, you know, realize they got to work on some issues. So um, we, uh, we, were, we were plugged in, and this opportunity came up where we were going to be asked to move from our home in Los Angeles area to San Diego. And the first response I had was, what does God want to do with us down there? What is God taking us down there for? And, and that's spirit-minded thinking, and not all of us have it at all times, right? I mean, this is, this is years. I got saved in 92. You're talking, you know, this is now 2016 when this occurs. And, and, and you know, for 20 years, you're going, what's my purpose, Lord? What, what do you want me to do? What is it that I'm going to do? And so we, we took the call, and we went to San Diego. We, we just said, God's moving us to San Diego. He's using my job to do it. We moved down there. And so what happened? We got down there, and we had been so involved in ministry, I had that mindset of, oh, I'm so burned out. We've been doing this week after week. All we do is we help people, and they're broken, and then, and then you love them, and you build a relationship with them, and then something goes, you know, awry in their life, and they disappear, and they shut you out, and they don't have anything to do with you. It happens all the time. And so... We, were, we, were, we felt almost tired. I, I did. I, I can't speak for her. I felt tired. So we, uh, we went down there, and I said, let's, let's find a big church. You know, let's blend in, get lost, punch in my God card. You know, I was there, Lord. You know, it'll take six months before anybody really gets to know our name. And it'll take a year before anybody invites us to a small group or something like that. You know, we won't get asked to be involved. And we can take a break. It didn't happen, right? That's not how God works. You know, we showed up, we, we found this church, and we're like, oh, we love it here. And within six months, we had already been called and asked to lead and direct to celebrate recovery ministry. And so I'm like, okay, you know, answering God's call, right? And, and I don't like to respond with, no, that's not my gift. I have done that in my past. No, I'm not. That's not what I want to do. Can you pick up trash after church? No, that's not, what I, that's not my gift. But it's really great to greet people at the door, you know? Um, so, so we, we take this calling and we, we, we love this ministry for a few years and 
Where is this going, Lord? What is it that you're preparing? What is God doing in our lives? So what happens? Opportunity comes. Hey, time to leave all your family and friends, everything, Southern California, everything you know, everybody you love, everybody that's close to you. I want you to move, take this job up north of Sacramento. Again, my wife wasn't, you know, we were confused. Because I think deep inside we know again the calling of what is it that God wants to do? And when we don't like to be a no, that's not me. That's not my gift. So I hope I'm, I hope I'm not moving out of the camera for those of you at home. Um, so we take this call, we move up here, and I do the same thing again. We get up here and I'm like, let's go check out some of these big churches around town. We'll find a nice little place, punch in our God card, go home on Sunday. We're saved. We're good. We'll just show up in a little while. We'll see where God takes us. But that's not how God works, right? God's like, no. That's not what you're doing. So we end up, uh, we, we church shop. I call it church shopping. Where you're like, let's just go to where I feel comfortable. And I went to, if you've been, if a lot of you guys are born and raised in this town or you've been here a really long time, so you know all the extremely large churches, where they're located. We went to all of them. And everyone I went to, right after the first Sunday there, I said, this is not where God wants us to be. Because I'm listening now. And so we came here to the rivers. And I shared this in the, uh, uh, I shared this at the 30 year anniversary. I'll share it again. When I showed up to the rivers, the analogy I had was Indiana Jones, the last crusade, <laughs> the end of the movie. He goes in, he's with that knight, and he says, you pick the cup. And they're picking the rich cups, you know, the big churches. And Indiana Jones looks, and he reaches into the back for something you don't see, and he pulls out that dirty, dingy cup that was unloved. It looked like, you know, it was, it was nothing. It didn't look great compared to the other ones. And he said, this is the cup of a carpenter. And he drank that cup, and he lived, and we all know the end of the movie. So when I showed up here to the rivers, I said, this is a church with real people, and it needs love, and it needs work. This is where God wants us to be. We knew right away when we came to the rivers that this is where God wanted us to be. And it was like that thing where you're answering God's call, and you're like, this is where, this is, this is why. This is why we moved to Yuba City. I believe God brought us to Yuba City. I, I believe, and I believe that God did those other things, and I'll tell you what. I speak life into the things I see, and I know that God brought us here to Yuba City to remain here in Yuba City. And we're going to be here. We love the Rivers Church. So, bear with me here. My company just sent me this new tablet that I can't lay flat. It has to stand up like a computer. Um, so, I just wanted to talk about, no, not me. That's not my gift. You know? Skip might ask me to sing one Sunday. I'm going to be like, oh, no, that's not me. I don't sing really well. Thanks. I'm good. I love when, this is what I've noticed that God likes to do. Anything that you get asked to do more than a few times, it's time to remove the veil from your eye and stop answering out of flesh. Because if, if you've been asked multiple times to do something, Samuel! 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 You're being called. You're being called. So, I want to talk about a few individuals today who didn't want to act on their gifts, because we've all been here. They didn't want to act on their gifts. 
In fact, these individuals that we're going to talk about were quite certain to themselves and assured that this was not their gift, and this was the no, not me, God. That's not my gift. So we're going to look at Moses today, Gideon, and Jonah. Just some quick snippet stories, and uh, we'll go into that. So first I'll take a look at Moses, Exodus 3, 10 through 15. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. Not them, not him, not your wife, not your husband, not your best friend. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. So right in this very beginning, Moses is being called to perform two different gifts. He's being called to go and speak because he's being sent when Bill sent, and he's being asked to lead. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? That's, that, I mean, come on, how often do we feel that way? I'm just a plain me in my plain life. How am I going to impact those people? How am I going to be? How am I going to be what you think those people need? How am I going to present myself and be anything that the Pharaoh would look at and even want to listen to? Although we all know that Pharaoh, that Moses had a relationship with Pharaoh, they knew each other. God answered, "I will be with you." I love that. When God says, "I will be with you," He's talking about His Spirit's going to be with Moses, and the Spirit is what shows up inside of us when you're being asked to perform a gift that you say, no, that's not me, that's not my gift. The Holy Spirit is going to gift you in that moment. He's going to get you through, going to take you where you need to go. He says, this is your sign that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. So he's not only telling him, he's sending him, he's already telling him, it's already done what's going to happen and take place. It's already done. I'm taking care of this. I'm God. I'm in control. I am. That's who he is. I am. I love, I love Moses here. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am. Send me you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. So Moses is really afraid to go and speak to Israel. He's going to tell God here, I can't do that. I can't speak to these people. That's not my gift. <laughs> no, not me. Don't send me. Please send somebody else. Right? So... We know then, right after that, God proceeded to show him the, the staff, throw the staff on the ground, the staff became a certain, stick your hand in your cloak, it pulls it out, it comes out with leprosy. He's performing these miracles in front of Moses. And I love to take, I love to read this stuff and not read it like a Sunday morning, Sunday school Bible story from the 80s. I love to read this in the context of, I like to create for myself an imagination that I'm in this situation. Here you are standing, this bush is on fire. Not burning itself up. 
And I believe that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak through bushes today. He speaks through you and I, where the Holy Spirit lives. That's how he speaks to us. And he speaks to us through his word. So if you're looking to talk to God, we pray. That's our communication to him. And he speaks back to us through the Holy Spirit, through others, and through his word. Because his word is alive and living forever. So, you know, he pulls his hand out. So here you are. You're standing in the desert. There's a bush on fire in front of you. It begins speaking to you. It tells you these things, and it performs miracles in front of you. After all this occurs, Moses pleaded with the Lord, Exodus 4, 10 through 14. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. No, not me. Don't send me. Please. I have never been. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I like there's an exclamation point there. Now go. Because he's like, he's, God is now getting frustrated. Like, what more do I need to show you that this is what you're doing? You're called for this. I'm not asking anybody else. I'm telling you you're going. Uh, he says, now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. That's when the Holy Spirit's going to enter Moses. is going to speak for him on his behalf. And it's going to intercede. It talks about that our groanings and prayer, and you know, the Holy Spirit gives us the words at the moment. That's what's going to happen here for Moses. So he says, uh, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please. I don't want to greet people at the door. I'm not friendly. I'm not a people person. I don't want to pick up trash. I never cleaned up after myself as a child. I don't want to do these things. I don't want to cook. I don't know how. Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right. I love this. I'm going to give a little shift here. All right, he said. What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he's on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. I love this because he's letting Moses off the hook a little bit here, but he's still going to send Moses to do what he said he's going to do. So here's Moses saying, no, not me. That's not my gift. I can't speak. I can't speak to the people of Israel. I like how God's sitting back laughing going, don't worry. You don't want to speak to them? I'm still going to make you speak to Pharaoh. Because when they went to Pharaoh, Aaron wasn't the one doing the talking. It was Moses. So, amen, I mean, this, what, what you are being called to do, what we're being called to do is still going to take place. I love that. I love that. I wrote here, we know even after this, Moses did end up using his words and his voice when he went before Pharaoh to declare God's request to let the people go. And what an awkward, uncomfortable thing. Moses knew what he was up against. Just like Gideon knew what he was up against. Just like Jonah knew what he was up against. These guys knew what they were up against. These guys knew what God was asking them to do. Very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. You know, it's easy to do small things. I, I think it is. It's easy for us to choose to say, yeah I, can, yeah, I can hang around after church. And There's certain things we say yes, but when we know something that's going to make us feel very uncomfortable, or we don't feel that we're equipped to perform the work, our first response is, no, not me. That's not my gift. You know, oh, I'm, we've got a lunch. I've got to go. Next Sunday? No, we won't be here. So, I just want you to all know, we all, we are all called. We are all called. Now, now this was my first time putting a bulletin together, a handout. 
It's not lengthy, like Pastor Mark. I'm going to have to get trained here, uh, get a little better equipped, put these together better together. But uh, first timer here, I hope it came out well. So now we're going to look at Gideon. So again, this is where I ended up that one morning when I was, you know, praying. God, is this what I'm going to speak on? So Gideon, uh, we're going to look at Judges, chapter six. Yep. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you, sir. <laughs> Me? If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? No, he's talking about Moses. He's talking about that happened, you know. Uh, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending But Lord, no, not me. That is not my gift. Do you want me to get killed? Do you want me to go to the people and tell them we're going? They're going to kill me before I go out there to get killed. No, we're not going. The Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan, my dad, my uncles, my brothers, we're the weakest clan. We're the weakest in the whole, my clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. I'm the runt. I'm going to be what David looked like later. I'm not a warrior. I just tend sheep. I work at the Taco Bell drive-thru. This is not for me. Right? My, my, my uncle, he's a pastor. And my cousin, they're, they're, they're in Denver. They're deacons of the church. They're elders. They're all blessed. God's good. Take care of them. I work at Taco Bell. You got the wrong guy. The Lord said to him, I love this. I will be with you. The Holy Spirit is going to show up in the moment I need. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. My Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to lead these people. And you're going to have the victory that I'm calling you to have. The victory that I'm preparing you to have. The victory that I have already declared you are going to do. So... He says, the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. I love this. I love this. Samuel. Burning bush. Hey, there's an audible voice speaking to me. The angel is the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. I love that. The angel of the Lord is, is, is God. I believe it sounds like Jesus, right? It's Jesus, the Holy Spirit, showing up in manifested form. And we, we read this many times in the Bible. The angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. We read in Revelation. Jesus says, I am the, the Alpha, the Omega. Jesus is all that. You know, the, the, the you know, burn, you know, bronze and, and glowing and just all that. Jesus is all of this. So here's Jesus standing there in the moment. This is what I'm doing. This is what you're going to do. Let me make sure this is really you speaking to me right now. Need I throw a serpent on the ground and put your hand in your cloak and show you some leprosy? What do you need me to do? So we all know the story. 
We all know that Gideon went on to lead just a few hundred men against the Midianites. And they all turned on themselves and basically killed themselves. And that's the way the story goes. So, now here's something that maybe we overlook at times. I wrote this in my notes because I thought this was interesting. Here's something we, maybe that we overlook at times when we read the story of Gideon in Sunday School as children. We're like, Gideon, oh, the guy who, who got the guys down at the stream and who was going to lap water with their hands or with their tongue. And then they went with 300 men. They defeated the Midianites. Mighty warrior. The guy that didn't believe it. He wasn't called. Okay. That's all we read about, right? Let's carry on with the story, because there's a really interesting note here. After Gideon defeated the Midianites, the Israelites asked him to be their ruler. Did you know that? You know what his reply was? No. Not him or his son. So that's not us. Um, this next verse won't be on the monitor, but I'm going to read it to you. It might be in your handout. Judges 8, 22 through 24. Then the Israelites said to Gideon, be our ruler. So this is the man that the, the Spirit came on him. He leads these 300 men. He saves Israel. The Midianites are defeated. He's finished there. God has a calling on his life. And now the next calling comes. The Israelites said to Gideon, Be our ruler. You and your son and your grandson will be our rulers. For you have rescued us from Midian. But Gideon replied, I will not rule over you, nor will my son. The Lord will rule over you. However, I do have one request. Let me get a kickback here. <laughs> I do have one request, that each of you give me an earring from the plunder you collected from your fallen enemies. The enemies being the Ishmaelites, all wore gold earrings. So, then we go on to find out that Gideon had 70 children after that. And then he had another child with a concubine. That child's name was Abimelech, who later went to his father's home and killed all 70 of those children. Except for the one that escaped and hid, Jotham. So I wrote this in my notes. My question is, what would have happened in Israel if he'd said yes? We don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't the direction it wanted to go. But again, no, that's not me. And sometimes in that act of, no, Lord, when you just flat out say no and you don't go to the call, things don't always work out for everybody else. You know, that purpose isn't fulfilled. But we all know God had a greater, greater purpose, so... We are all created for a purpose. We got it. Okay. So now I'm going to take a quick look at the life of Jonah. I love Jonah's story. This is, this is the best one yet so far, I think. Jonah 1, 1 through 3. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. That's his way of saying, no, not me. Say what? Gotcha. <laughs> uh, is that the exit sign right there? I'll see you next never. <laughs> he said, I'm not coming back next Sunday. They just asked me to, they just asked me to sing. They just, they just asked me to take out trash. They just asked me to help straighten chairs. They just asked me to vacuum. I don't want to do that. Jonah knew what he was up against. Jonah knew what it was going to look like to go speak to Nineveh. It's like Moses. He's like, you're going to get me killed. You want me to go and talk and sound crazy? These people are going to think I'm crazy. So, 
I announced my judgment because I have seen how wicked the people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Now I'm going to jump to chapter 3. Yes. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. Now, again, I like to put myself in the shoes. What does this feel like? What, what is he processing emotionally, spiritually, physically? Is he in fear? I mean, we know that Jesus, before he was about to endure the cross, had blood sweating out of his forehead. Anxiety. You know, what was Jonah experiencing when he decides to say, Okay, I might get killed, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to do this one thing that you're asking me to do. I'm going to trust you. This is a trust moment right here. This is... I, I don't know if Jonah knew whether he could speak or not. I don't know if he knew that he was an influential character. The Bible doesn't really declare that or to talk too much about it. But maybe he knew that he had the ability to be an influence to people. Because he, he listened to the call... He didn't plead with God like Moses did all the way to the point where God said, all right, fine. I'm going to send you. I'm going to, I'm going to send your brother. We'll let him speak to Israel, but you're going to be there. You know, we, he, he didn't do that. He, 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 he heeded to the call. He went. He took it. So and I love the story because this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. I wonder if you can walk around Yuba City in three days. Maybe one or two. And if you're on, and if you're riding an animal at that time, maybe quicker. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, and then will be destroyed. Again, I'm like, what does that feel like? What, what is going through when you walk into this town and you say, hey, 40 years from now, Yuba, 40 days from now, Yuba City's going to be wiped out. You know, people are going to think you're crazy. There's a lot of faith going on here. A lot of faith taking this calling. So, the people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. The Holy Spirit showed up in that exact moment, put the words on his mouth. God knew what he was going to do. He put the fear into the people, and they all responded. I love that. that. That's the way that we need to respond to God's call. We need to respond to it. We need to be a yes, right? We've got to be yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, I will take out the trash. Yes, Lord, I will hang out for 30 extra minutes after church and be nice, friendly, say hi to people. All right. You never know who you're sitting next to. You, know? you never know who you're going to help. So, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. That'd be like somebody coming to the United States proclaiming doom and destruction for our wicked ways, and our president stepping out of office, taking off his, taking off his American flag from his, from his uh, lapel, taking everything off, and, 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 and praying, and, and repenting, right? I mean, that's huge. That's what's happening in this moment in Nineveh, right? This is big. So, then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. Everybody's fasting. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. 
They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. There was the purpose. When God saw that they had done what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Well, we all know how that made Jonah feel later. He got upset. You know, Lord, you, you, you asked me to do something that was extremely uncomfortable. I went and I did it, and then you did the opposite. Now you make me look really bad. Maybe he felt like now he thinks that now he looks crazy to them. Hey, God's going to destroy the city in 40 days. Guess what happened 40 days later? The city wasn't destroyed. How many people in the town probably looked back and said, that guy was crazy? <laughs> but he fulfilled God's purpose, right? So, sometimes we need to realize through a small act of obedience, we may help save a nation. There was a story somebody told me one time. They said, somebody told me it was Billy Graham. I, I, I tried to confirm this story. I couldn't confirm that it was Billy Graham, but it's a great little story. It's a story of a tent revival that was going on, and two young boys came in, and they walked in the back, and everything was happening, and hands were flying through the air, and people were singing, and the boys looked around, they didn't see any seats, and they were getting ready to leave. And the usher grabbed onto the boys, and he said, I got two seats right down in the front for you. One of those two boys went on to be saved and became a great preacher. This was a story I was told about Billy Graham, but I've looked up through Billy Graham, I've tried to find the story, I didn't find it. But I heard a, a, a pastor speak on this once, and I thought, that's the kind of story. And what the message was that that pastor said, I can't wait to make it to heaven one day and thank that usher. Just that small act of obedience of being asked and called to do something that we say, that's not important, God. You want me to greet people at the door? You don't know that the person that you're greeting at the door isn't going to become the next great preacher that might not become the next great, great glory of this country. You know, great, I think great glory is one of America's pastime pastors right now. I mean, you don't know. We don't know who's going to walk through that door. So sometimes when we're being asked and called, hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do this? Hey, can you hang out after church? Hey, can you help in the back? Hey, we need an extra singer up here. Right? This is, this is, oh, I'm going out here. This is what we want to do. We're all gifted. You're gifted. You're gifted. You're not sitting in this room today by accident. You're not here by accident. I don't know what God wants to do with your life. I don't know. Come hang out with me. We'll hang out outside the church and maybe we can help. Maybe we can try to figure that out. You know? I remember I used to pray a lot. God, what is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to do? You want me to... And God was always showing to me at the time during that season. He was like, I want you to help these broken people. Finally, one day I recognized that. When I started, you know, making my way up. I started to recognize that calling and that purpose. Because it wasn't what I wanted. I was like, no, God, that's not it, right? What, what am I doing? That's not it. So uh, let's go over some of my final thoughts. We need to remember that Moses was not eloquent in speaking. He wasn't a good speaker. He knew that speaking definitely wasn't one of his gifts. He declared it. I get tongue-tied. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not eloquent with my speech. I don't have the ability to persuade with my mouth. He knew that. However, the Holy Spirit showed up and gifted his mouth to speak boldly in the face of Pharaoh. Did he not? Amen. We need to remember that Gideon didn't feel like he was a mighty hero. He felt weak. 
He even wanted to remind God that he came from a weak clan. However, the Holy Spirit showed up and it went inside of him and gifted him to be the mighty warrior. We need to remember that Jonah went in the opposite direction of God's calling and gift on his life. He didn't tell God he couldn't speak. He didn't say to God, that's not my gift. He just ran. He just said, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not coming back next Sunday. I don't want to be a part of what they're doing over there. They're doing some weird things. However, the Holy Spirit showed up and gifted him the courage and words to go to Nineveh. And he saved the nation. We've all been gifted in different ways that some of us are aware of and some of us are not. Some of the gifts Pastor Mark has been teaching about. We need to trust that when God asks us to perform things that we feel or think, that's not my gift, not me. If you say yes to him, the Holy Spirit will gift you in that moment to perform. The Spirit has all the gifts bundled up and lives in each and every one of us right now. such a powerful presence in my life, in the life of my wife and I and my children, and now their friend, my daughter, my son's back there, I love you guys. I just want to pray, you know, we're going to, if, if you don't know Jesus, we're going to pray a simple prayer, and you can say this prayer to yourself, and then we'll close out. I'll let you all run out the door and tell me you're not coming back next Sunday. Whatever you want to do, if you want to run. But uh, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, this prayer sounds like this, Lord. I don't know you. I'm just now finding out about you. I want to believe that you're real. I'm a sinner. I know that I do things that don't feel right in my heart. I do things that your word says I shouldn't do. And I repent of that, Lord. I ask forgiveness. And your word says that if I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and I confess that with my mouth, I make a confession that Jesus, you are Lord, and I believe that you were raised from the dead and that you are the salvation for my sin. If you pray that and you believe that today, you're saved. From this moment forward, in the Holy Spirit, if that's the prayer you make, you come see us afterwards and we'll pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. With that, we'll close. Father, I thank you so much, Lord. I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for... This church is us, Lord. We're the church. This family. This fellowship, Lord. The people sitting in this room are the church. This is the building we need in, Lord. I thank you for this church. I thank you for your message today, Lord, for your teaching. I thank you for our pastors, Mark and Jill. I thank you for everybody here that answers your call, Lord. I, th I thank you for everybody here that says yes. I thank you in advance for those who are going to start to say yes. I thank you in advance for those who you're going to fill in here, Lord. I thank you in advance for everything you're going to do. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do at this church. Because I know it's going to be big things, Lord. And we praise you for that. Amen? Amen. 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 Father, we just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we ask all this. Bless us, Lord. Keep us. Watch over us. We thank you. Amen. 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 Amen.
Gracias.